Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears. My name is Joey Christopoulos. My co-host, Corey Wooten, thank you so much for checking us out on YouTube or listening to us on TuneIn or SiriusXM or wherever you get your podcast. we got a fantastic episode coming up for you in about 30 seconds. But first, we got to talk about our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. It's BetOnline.ag season because it's your number one sports betting place to all the NFL playoff action coming up over the next month or so because you can find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, game trends only at BetOnline. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, for almost any sport you can imagine. That's why it is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. So what are you waiting for? Go on over to betonline.ag. Receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use that promo code, though, B-L-E-A-V, to receive that reward. BetOnline, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the show. We got a lot to unpack here. This is going to be a long, adventurous, fantastic Bears offseason. Maybe one of the biggest in their franchise history. And you're going to be we're going to be covering it right here on Believe in Bears all year long. So let's just bring in our co-host right now. He's Fox 32's very own. He's CHGO's Northwestern Wildcat. He's Corey Wooten. Corey, how are you? The Bears are great. on the clock. They're on the clock. They are. They are with the number one pick, baby. Talk about that game with Houston. Uh, we were watching it in CHGO studio, and it looked like they didn't have a shot. And then all of a sudden, Davis Mills throws the ball down the field. They get in the red zone, and all of a sudden, they get backed up. And then it's fourth and 20, right? Fourth and 20. Throw a shot at the end zone. Goes through the DB's hands, right in the hands of a wide receiver. And then you think, oh, maybe they'll go for one. No, they go for two. And then get the two-point conversion. Hold the Colts. You know, all of a sudden the clock runs out. We know we got the number one pick. So it's a good feeling because obviously two was two was great. But having the first pick gives you so much flexibility about being able to trade back what you can potentially do. Um, so it's, it's a lot better having that first uh, overall pick. And especially since we don't need a quarterback, this makes everything that much better. Yeah, Corey, it changes everything. Two to one, It's it seems minute, but it is just so huge because now the Chicago Bears own leverage. And going back to that game, uh, yeah, Texans were up 10 to nothing. They were up 17 to 7. And then, right, yeah, they were down 31 to 24. At one point, they came back, they tied, and then they go for two. Uh, a thank you you want to send out to your guy, Lovey Smith. Uh, we still love you, Lovey. I mean, man, your legacy <laughs> continues to this day, and we thank you for it. Exactly. Lovey, Lovey, you're the GOAT. Um, I'm really surprised they fired him, though. Um, they were competitive all year, and it seems like this GM – uh two head coaches in two years so I, I don't really know what he's what he's what he's looking for uh, i wish they would have gave him a shot because like i said they were competitive this year and um it, it's hard to find coaches that that guys buy into and you could tell the team definitely bought into him they didn't have the most talent but they were in a lot of games and, and took teams down to the wire um, I'm not going to step into the rabbit hole, but I've had past guests on this show before uh namely Jeff Hughes with the Bears blog and other people that just kind of talk about how poorly run in uh the texans organization is and even to go even further that there are certain people that are in charge that aren't necessarily great people in general um and there's a lot of different contexts and different evidence that we won't get into today but again i think they told lovey smith before the game uh that yeah. he was out and this was a big f you to the texans organization you know what <laughs> we, we've been we've been tanking all year long and the funny part the most ironic part about it Corey, is maybe my final point is that you do realize that Lovey Smith played for a tie earlier this year, right? Exactly. You know what I mean? And now he's playing for the win in the final week of the season. The contrast there is definitely in the Chicago Bears' favor. 
Uh, the Chicago Bears have the number one pick. Uh, we're going to dive into that in this episode and many, many subsequent episodes to follow. Uh, but, Corey, first, uh, breaking news about two hours ago. We're taping this on a Thursday at about 1 p.m. Central. Uh, a couple hours. It's official. Kevin Warren is going to be named the new um, CEO and president of the Chicago Bears, former the commissioner of the Big Ten Network, or excuse me, the Big Ten Conference just in general. Um, just your reaction to Kevin Warren officially being hired and, uh, you know, more change coming to House Hall, and I think it is positive change. Yeah, I, th- I think it makes a lot of sense. He, he has an NFL background. I think he was over 20 years of front office experience before he became the, the Big Ten commissioner, um, was in Minnesota, um, that whole process when they got the whole new stadium, which is arguably one of the best in the league. So I think when you look at what the Bears did, they brought this plot of land in Arlington Heights to build out a new stadium, what they've been talking about. So I think it just makes perfect sense what he's been able to do for the Big Ten um Big Ten Conference and negotiating that huge uh, billion-dollar deal. So I, I I liked it. I thought it made sense at the time. So especially with his football background in the NFL, the stadium and all that, and just just need somebody new. Uh, you know, now that Ted Phillips is 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 gone there. So I, I like I like the hiring. Um, and and it's good with his experience. Yeah, his resume is uh, is super impressive. I am curious to see in his first press conference, um, how the delineation of exposure to the press and to us the bears fans how they're going to cut that up between polls and kevin warren like is kevin warren going to speak once or twice a year um is he going to say in his press conference does he have any hand if any on the football operations or is that ryan polls's show because again this is kind of a trend that we've seen with the chicago bears of they they never hire from the top down right They've drafted a quarterback, then they hired a general manager and coach, and now they're hiring a president. That's exactly like kind of the reverse. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of curious to see how that moves along. I don't even know if I've ever asked you this, Corey, before. Are you pro Arlington Heights? Or do you wish that they had a stadium that that, that could have a dome in Chicago? You know, where do you land on that right now? You know, I, I think the the Bears have always been a uh, city of Chicago team, you know, when I look at it. And obviously, I know some organizations have been in the suburbs and whatnot, but uh, I, I feel like, you know, the Monsters of the Midway, Chicago, just that atmosphere, being on the lake, uh, being in the city, it's just, it's just a different, it brings a different um, statement to the city. So I would like for it to be in the city. I don't think it's going to happen based off everything they're talking about. I know the city of Chicago made like a last effort Hail Mary when they had that whole, you know, design about what it could be. But just think about it, right? Like how weird would that be saying, hey, we're going to go to see a Bears game and be in the suburbs, right? It just doesn't feel right. It'd be like going to, you know, Wrigley Field, but it was in the Burbs or, you know, going to uh, White Sox. Uh, what is it, Comiskey Park? Is yeah, it- Comiskey Park. Yeah, I- yeah. Go yeah. Going to it in the suburbs. It, it would just it would just feel a little bit weird. Um, so I – as, as a former player, I just used to love being, you know, being in the city, you know, night before the game in a hotel and then, you know, driving, you know, right there and seeing all the traffic, seeing the city and, uh, you know, the lake and everything. So I, I don't I don't think it's going to stay in the city, but I hope maybe they can uh, <laughs> make a last ditch effort to keep it in there. Right. I mean, I, the end of the day, right, it's transportation and it's the dome with with Soldier Field. That's probably yeah. the two biggest issues there. And yeah, Corey, and you know, it's it's funny that I think in our advancing ages, we are going to enjoy the indoor stadium quality as fans and observers, but you're making a great point as a player. And as we move forward in the future, the outdoor stadiums with inclement weather, they're dwindling, right? I mean, if you look at it off the top of my head, you know, Tennessee, Kansas City, you know, the New York teams, 
Green Bay. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Buffalo. I'm, I'm for, yeah, I, Buffalo. And I'm probably forgetting a couple more, but, you know, that's now more maybe less than a third of the league than the majority yep. of the league. And, and to your point, you know, it can be a competitive advantage when you're playing football games in January, something that maybe this organization is forgetting a little bit because yep. we don't play a lot of games in January, right? Exactly. So, I mean, we do have to kind of uh, take that for what it is. I mean, we'll see uh, how it rolls out, but man, it's all pointing towards Arlington Heights. And then with the dome too, you got to play with turf. So turf has been, you know, topic of conversation because of, you know, injuries, right? Because if you're playing on a grass surface, most of the time, if your foot, your foot doesn't get stuck, right? Your foot comes out from underneath you if you're on grass. Um, was it Aiden Hutchinson had a play uh, against the Packers where if that was turf, he probably would have blown his knee out. But but luckily he was on grass and that surface just came up from under. So that's what people have been talking about. I know when Odell Beckham got hurt, that was a topic of conversation and uh, things of that nature. So, yeah, I mean, it is a faster surface. So fast guys love to play on it. It is great. You know, you feel fast and everything. But injuries are, are definitely something that can can arise from that. You know, I know I tore my ACL in college playing in Alamo Dome and I got my foot stuck in the turf. Um, you know, it just didn't give out and blew, blew out my ACL, MCL meniscus. So it is something to, to kind of talk about. But who knows? I mean, eventually there might be all the stadiums indoors because then they're thinking about, oh, we could have more fans in there and the weather's not a factor. But I feel like, you know, Chicago type football is, is built for the cold weather, right? Like from the beginning of time, it's like, okay, that's an advantage. You know, when we played the Cowboys in 2013 um, at our stadium at, at Soldier Field, it was an advantage because they didn't want to be there. We, we beat the brakes off them. So I think that is such an advantage. Um, even when Seattle came in the 2010 playoffs, they didn't want to be there because, you know, it, it gets cold up there, but not like Soldier Field. It was snowing. It was, you know, it was really cold. And I feel like that is an advantage. And I understand that people are like, well, we have a fast quarterback and we need this fast surface. But cold weather football, that's that's Chicago monsters in the midway type type of, you know, grind them out, you know, with a great running game and play great defense. Yeah, look, and to your point, I'm out here in California. SoFi Stadium is state of the art. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's incredible. The amenities for the fan are top notch and bar none. Uh, Cooper Cup, though, hates the hates the turf. You know, I mean, they're only a couple years in and he's talking about how it's going to ruin people's careers. So, you know, all yep. these uh, these baubles and all this gaudiness on the outside, when it comes to the players, though, you know, those are the things that are really important. And if you're looking at Soldier Field, my only thing with Chicago that I the part that I don't understand is there's a really easy way to have people spending money indoors on your property at Soldier Field. OK, exactly. it doesn't have to be just inside the stadium when you're watching the game. You can still have an outdoor stadium, people watching the game and have many different methods for people to be there indoors spending dollars on your property. I'm just going to exactly. kind of put it like that. That's all I'll say on that yeah. one. Yeah. So Soldier Field, right, is is owned by the city of Chicago, right? So e- either way, if they stay in the city, it's it's the city of Chicago's property, right? And it's basically like the the Bears are leasing it in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I, I and guess- then that's well, that's been the big problem with the uh, with the grass because it's a Chicago Park District issue. It's always been a big problem with their parking lots because yeah, those are leases. Those aren't necessarily yeah. owned. Um, and yeah, the infrastructure that it takes. And the big one too, the biggest gripe I think among Chicago Bears fans is just getting to the stadium. That that mm-hmm. stretch, that walk up, you know, if you're not on a rickshaw, which I love and highly recommend, or if you're not taking a boat in, you know, you're walking through that tunnel all the way up there. 
And if it's freezing cold, that's maybe half the battle that pisses you off before you even yeah. walk in there. So they, if they ever figured that out too, as well, that might have been a good. That might have been a good but, thing for them. But the one good thing is, right? Like I don't think that has prevented any fans from coming because Chicago are diehard. Like it doesn't matter yeah, anyway. Dude. So I, I think I think most of the most of the people, if you poll people, I would say majority of them would want it to stay in the city, right? There's some things that you know could be fixed or could be changed, um, but. I think most people would want to keep it in the city because it's just, it's just, that's Chicago. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, it would be so weird if, if Wrigley or Comiskey was not in Chicago, right? You'd be like, Oh, I'm going to go to a baseball game. Oh yeah. Let me go to uh Lake Forest. You'd be like, Whoa, what? Yeah, the, the Cubs, the Cubs threatened to move to Rosemont if they didn't get the dollars needed to renovate Wrigley field at the time. So they would have been, exactly. they would have been way out there too as well. And, and Corey real quick, what better time to wear every single pair of pants that you own than go into a bears game freezing. That's exactly five layers baby that's exactly it. you know just 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 tell chicago this is how it's got to be you know if we're doing this this and this you know we're putting a dome on it you know this is this is how we want it and to keep it that way so then then it's like oh, you got everything that you want and you need and maybe try to improve the infrastructure within reason uh that you can do to, to make make it a better experience for the fans yeah and negotiations have been really kind of snarky uh, to yeah. be honest with you, I don't want to blame either side. And, uh, you know, the city of Chicago has a lot of other things to deal with other than whether they'll build a new stadium there. But the negotiations have just seemed where you really had this weird attitude about them. Yeah. And uh, it seems like it's a relationship that's just going bad. Um, and as you mentioned, they have to work together because the city of Chicago works with Soldier Field. So, um, yeah. And Ke Kevin Warren's now in place, too, as well. And he's the man who builds stadiums. So, yeah. Start to read the tea leaves, Bears fans. Um, I think this is coming whether they like it or not. Uh, Corey, let's uh, let's get over onto the field real quick. Uh, big offseason for the Chicago Bears. Understatement that this might be the biggest offseason in franchise yep. history. Um, the biggest of general manager Ryan Poles' career. I can't imagine in subsequent years him having a bigger, more pivotal offseason than this. Uh, so let's keep it simple, Corey. Um, do you trade Justin Fields this offseason? That's what no. people want to know. Nope. That's what a lot of GMs on ESPN are talking about. Uh, would you would you even entertain the thought of trading Justin Fields? No, not not even close. Um, you know, I know people have been talking about that. I saw an interview, uh, Mike Tannenbaum, the former the former Jets uh, GM, uh, talking about he would trade for Bryce Young, and I was like, whoa, what is, what is going on here? So uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Did yeah, you say I, Jets I, Jets general manager. Uh, the yeah. guy who drafted Mark Sanchez, all you need to know. <laughs> it, ex exactly. So when you're talking about evaluating talent in the quarterback position, um, yeah, that that's that's ridiculous. And I think um, majority of teams in this league that are need a quarterback, they would take Justin Fields. The Jets, if they could draft over again, they would pick Justin Fields. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I, I can't see with any scenario why you would trade him, right? Maybe I could see if it was like Caleb Williams for USC, you know, that people are talking about is going to be the next biggest thing. But I think I think Justin Fields, when it's all said and done, I told you, I think he would be a top five quarterback. It's all about putting the talent around him. Because if you think he's similar to Jalen Hurts and even a bigger ceiling, look at, look at what Jalen Hurts did from last year to this year. Unbelievable, right? So Justin Fields can be that and even more. Why would you not keep him? That doesn't make any sense. So for, for me, I'm just putting all the pieces together. And with that number one pick, you could trade back. You can get some other picks, you know, potentially another player that can fill a need that you have. So number one pick gives you a lot of flexibility. But Justin Fields is my quarterback for the future. He will be a Chicago Bear, in my opinion, for 
12, 15 years, however long he plays, if they put the talent around him. Yeah, and Corey, here's the thing that Bears fans need to keep in mind is the idea that I think we're so staunchly on trading the number one pick instead of selecting a player there, and obviously I'm on board with you keeping Justin Fields. I'm just asking the question, is that whoever you trade with and you get that future first-round capital, they're going to be having a rookie quarterback on a team that was already at the top of the draft. So there's a great chance exactly. that that very next year, you're also going to be in the top five too as well. And that really also opens up a lot of options. And, you know, let's just say for whatever reason, if Caleb Williams does become something that you want to entertain, if you have a number four pick and let's just say a number 12 pick and you put those two together, you can all of a sudden maybe possibly get into that number one spot again next year. And that's the whole exactly. that's what this off season is going to be all about Corey. Um, and, you know, you're looking at a couple of those teams that are at the top, and I see a lot of the teams that the Bears might be trading with probably at the top of the draft next year. Um, so, Corey, let's play a game here. Um, you know, we're going to have plenty of time to go over uh, draft capital and draft compensation. Um, but I think what's fun to talk about right now is the concept of the Bears have so much – Bears have this leverage, and they have so much opportunity that not only Bears fans can they trade for draft capital – they could ask for actual NFL players if they want to in this deal, if they wanted to get a proven commodity and maybe, I don't want to say accelerate, but kind of maybe get the engine running a little bit hotter on this Bears team being a little bit more competitive next season. So, Corey, I kind of wrote down a group of about a half dozen, and we're going to do kind of a versus. Uh, so mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you a couple of NFL players that we could trade for. You tell me if it's okay. a better fit, if you like the player with the talent a little bit more. Let's kind of leave um, – draft compensation aside because we all know that all it's right. going to be a number but let's just see whether you'd like to have these guys in the bears next year okay the first one is uh okay so the first one is going to be this guy uh the bears trade back to number four they get back compensation from the colts and they also get deforest buckner versus Corey. They go a little bit further down the trough a little bit to another franchise that's desperate for a quarterback. He was kind of in trade talks uh, at the deadline. Didn't happen. But they go back and they trade back to number nine with the Carolina Panthers. And a younger player named Brian Burns becomes available. And maybe he's possibly in the deal as a compensation for moving back from one to nine, which is a big jump, Bears fans. So yep. just player aside, fit aside, DeForest Buckner, Brian Burns, you know, what's what's your fancy? And I think I know what the more realistic one is, but who do you think is the better player? Well, I think realistic and for what we need defensively right now, um, I, I think with the Colts, right? Because I think that's going to be DeForest Buckner. He's only 28 years old, really great three technique. Um, he's still He's still got probably four to five great great years left especially at the d tackle position you know when you get to end then then your career window gets a little shorter but um and then all of a sudden we're trading back to four as opposed to nine right so then we can get you know potentially that will anderson or that miles murphy a good uh edge edge rusher right um so if we trade back to nine i i worry that seattle is going to take an edge rusher as well so that could potentially be taken. Uh, will Anderson, um, Arizona, that's before us, could potentially, but they they might they might go at a offensive line as well. So I just think nine would be too far, and I think four I'd be more comfortable, and I'd rather have that great three technique because that's the engine that runs this defense, and then you have a little bit more flexibility what you can do in the off season as well. Corey, man, we mentioned it about a month or two ago. I feel like DeForest Buckner, man. I mean that just. 
it, it's almost too good to be true, right? I mean, I, I'm not saying six, Eberflus, seven, six, seven, two ninety-five. Yeah, yeah not Eberflus yeah. for life over here, but I'm just saying, like they, they literally. Uh, I mean, he's his favorite guy on an on a pass defense, the guy who's productive, the guy who immediately fills the need for, for the Bears. And if you could say that you could walk into next year with DeForest Buckner, Will Anderson, and a D tackle of your choice in free agency. I mean, Corey just talked about it. that transforms what we were calling probably yeah. the worst defensive line that we've seen in Bears history. Exactly. See what a first, uh, the first overall pick could do. It could get you potentially two guys that they'll be starters. Uh, well, definitely two guys that'll be starters next year on next year's defense, right? You got a D tackle and an end of that situation. And then depending on what you do in free agency, you could nab you another defensive tackle and potentially uh, another end, you know, am I and a guy, Marcus Davenport from the saints, Maybe you could play that left side. Will Anderson could play that right. DeForest Buckner at the three technique. So, yeah, that, that that would be a lot different defensive line this year. We talk about lack of pressure. There'd be a lot more pressure and yeah. ability to stop the run. So, yeah, that first that first overall pick, it makes things a lot better when you talk about all the needs that we need to because it essentially knock out two needs. And then they're talking about draft picks and draft, draft capital for trading back to, to that four position, you know, potentially a fourth and uh, I think a fifth or sixth. So there's yeah. some value um, in the fourth round for sure. Maybe you can get another pass rusher, maybe get a uh, center at, at, at that. Um, so we got, we got different options. What is, so what is too far back for you? Let's, let's ask the question like this. How, what, what is too far back in a trade where you're saying, man, I probably wouldn't go that far back in the draft. I wouldn't go past the Colts. In my oh, opinion. really? You won't go past yeah. four? No, I won't go past four. Um, just because I think of, of what pick they're going to have, because you'll have flexibility depending on what you can do, um, in, in free agency, right. There could be a situation where we're all thinking defensive tack, defensive line or anything like that. Right. If we trade back, we get a DeForest Buckner and a free agency, we address both end positions. Um, all of a sudden things get a little bit easier. It's a little bit easier to get a nose. And then you're like, okay, there's Skaronsky from Northwestern there. Hmm. He's a left tackle looking like a sure pick, looking like Rashawn Slater from, uh, you know, the San Diego, uh, L.A. Chargers. So that could be an option as well. So I think it just really depends. But I don't want to go past that four um, just because depending on the needs and, and, you know, I'm thinking it's going to be a defensive lineman, but it could change depending on, you know, what, what goes on in that free agency. And Skaronsky, even if you – they're projecting him, I think, it's eight, eight or something like that. So – you know, I, I feel like that's not reaching. If if you think he's going to be the left tackle of the future, you kick Braxton Jones to the right side, and then you fill some of those other needs through the draft as well. Yeah, the, the great part about being at four, in my opinion, is, you know, I think if you look at the top of the draft, you know, you got to say to yourself, the Arizona Cardinals most likely will probably take a pass rusher, right? They're going to stick around with Kyler Murray. They're going to take a pass rusher, and they're going to try and rebuild that way. You know, they've, they've prioritized that in the past. J.J. Watt this past year, Chandler Jones, so on and so forth. The Texans, though, how do the Texans not take a quarterback there? No, they they're definitely good. will. Yeah, they're firing Lovey Smith, defensive coordinator. You think that they go offensive side of the ball, so that means that you yeah. got your pick at Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. If you're sticking there at four right now, Corey, are you still leaning Will Anderson over Jalen Carter um, at this time, or you know, how do you kind of break that down? So, so I I like um, I like Jalen Carter if we if we can get a situation where we trade for like a Buckner or something like that. I like Jalen Carter. Um, you know, 
which I think could could fall in our lap as well if we trade back. Because uh, I do think Will Anderson will be gone by Arizona. I think they're gonna. I think they're probably gonna pick him uh, in that scheme, being more of a stand up guy as well. Um, I I think he fits fits that role. So then you you look at Jalen Carter or Miles Murphy, and I think Jalen Carter depends on if we trade back with the Colts and are able to get the Forest Buckner because of his cap hit, which is very realistic. You know, he he has a big cap hit. Um, so they might be willing to let him go because this is a rebuild for them as well. Um, so then you have then you have options. You know, Miles Murphy is a guy that a lot of people really haven't been talking about from Clemson, and for me, his hand usage is, is top notch. He has NFL type hands, so um, I would be happy with him as well. Um, obviously, Will Anderson would love to have him, but I think he'll get snatched up by the Cardinals. And for me, I think Miles Murphy can be a really great uh, pass rusher in this league for sure. Um, and I think a lot of people, he's starting to climb up their boards. You're talking about him potentially going to Seattle on uh, some of the mock drafts. Oh, so wow. um, at, at number five. So at, at four, we'll be able to we'll be able to get him over Seattle at that point. Um, so that's why it just, it just really depends. There's so many different scenarios like where you can go this way or that way. That's the great this is the great beauty of it. And so are, are you um, – I want to get your take on this because I haven't I haven't done a ton of, of the work yet because we have so much to go till the NFL draft, yeah. people. So there's plenty of time to talk about this. But there are a lot of um, – Jalen Carter is a little more polarizing uh, for a guy at the top of the draft, and I, I was a little surprised to see that. I mean, are you – you know, they, taking plays off? Um, they say that he's this disruptive force, you know what I mean, at the in the interior side. I mean – are you seeing some of the flaws in his game too as well? Is that why you're getting intrigued by Miles Murphy? Or do you think it's more Miles Murphy rising the more that you're watching him and you like what you're seeing? Yeah, I think it's I think it's Miles Murphy rising a little bit, but I think it's because I, I think the the Forrest Buckner thing is a very realistic option, right? And then at that point, we don't have to get another defensive tackle. Um, so yeah, I think Jalen Carter, right? A criticism of his is he takes plays off. Um, same thing was with Miles Garrett. Look how that worked out. It worked out pretty good for Miles Garrett. I think when people are in college and they're able to turn it on, turn it off because they're so much more talented, it becomes a common thing. And you got to think about it. These guys are are one, a couple games away from securing their NFL future. So, hey, they may take a couple plays off here or there, which you never like to see. But it, it's something that, that usually when they get to the next level, um, especially with great coaching, and that's going to be critical. I, I don't care what – who's taking at that that point or whatever, whether, whether, you know, they don't take off plays or not, the, the coaching staff has to continue to do a great job of developing these guys. Right. Because that's key. Cause that's why there's sometimes people that don't work out. It's not because of the talent. It's because of the coaching a lot of times, because they're not maximizing what this guy can do, not showing him the skills, not, not mentoring them the way he needs to. So it's going to be critical. Any pick that's in this first round, top 10, you know, all about coaching. So it's going to be critical to the coaching staff, whether it's Miles Murphy or Jalen Carter, to get the best out of them. Uh, Matt Eberflus in uh, the end of the season press conference didn't say yes, didn't say no about whether changes were coming to his coaching staff in the offseason. Uh, Corey, I wanted to ask you this because, uh, you know, you were coached by him. Uh, he's a man who wanted to take a year off. He's taken that year off. He's already been in the building before. Do you see a possibility of Rod Marinelli having a role um, on this Bears staff, possibly next season? 
Man, you know, people were, were posing the question, what about having Lovey come back as the coordinator and Rob Marinelli's the deal? I don't think Lovey, I don't think that would happen. Yeah, because, Corey, really quick, like, am I wrong in saying that Lovey had, uh, Lovey had too big of an impact on the franchise um, and obviously, you know, had the control of the room? I mean, he had all these relationships that were sometimes icy with reporters. I mean, yeah. there's just too much history there, right, for him to come back yeah. in a lesser role. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so for sure. But I, I've heard that Rod Marinelli is is fully retired, so I, I don't think I don't see that happening. So he, he announced his retirement uh, this past off season. So I think I'm surprised. I thought he would. I thought he'd coach until until he couldn't anymore. Um, but yeah, it would be nice to have him because I think he brings out the best in in defensive linemen. I mean, that's that's been his knack. You know, look what he did for for Warren Sapp. Um, really got the best out of him as well. Super talented. Tommy Harris, Henry Melton, you know, it list goes on and on. Um, you know, he was coaching Max Crosby too and and the Raiders uh a year ago. So he's he's one of the best. Um and that's what it's about, just getting the best out of your players. So whoever, you know, if there is a change on the defensive line, I hope is a young younger guy that's really that's really ready to go and get the best out of his players you know there's a guy chris korosek that coaches for the uh 49ers um and i had him in detroit same thing exactly like marinelli younger guy just gets the best out of you you know yeah. like you want to run through a brick wall for him and i think that's the mark of a good coach right that, that really gets the, the tension of guys and gets the best out of them so i got two more for you before we're going to get out of here on this episode. This is a teaser for a future episode, Corey, so we're not going to go too deep into it, but I want to know what your preference is right now. Let's talk wide receiver. Now, Bears fans, keep in mind that when we do make that trade out of the number one pick, that draft capital can be used on a player in the draft or can also be used for a current NFL player. So, Corey, um, I want to throw it out to you. We'll start with the pie in the sky one. Um, so what do you think is more realistic right now, and what is your probably your preference um, us trying to broker a mega deal with Devontae Adams or maybe going a little bit down the trough a little bit and maybe talking to the Cardinals about DeAndre Hopkins or possibly talking about your guy, Buccaneers Mike Evans. I think that's yeah. a real one um, right there, especially for a team that is going to be picking at 19, is going to need more draft capital, probably won't have a quarterback next year. Of those three right now, which one do you think possibly is more realistic? Um, I think potentially the, the Cardinals, right? The Cardinals are, are Bucks. I, I don't think Devontae Adams, uh, I, I'm having a hard time with that because I've heard he wants to to be in, in Vegas to be closer to home. He lives in, in Northern Cali. Um, and they were talking money. about, it's yeah, a it's a ton, exactly. So I don't know about that, but Hopkins and, and Evans, I think that's more realistic to be honest with you. And I would love to have any of those guys. I think they have another three to four good more years, you know, and, and that would be great for for Justin Fields to have a true number one receiver. And all of a sudden, who knows, maybe Claypool can emerge as a number two, or we know Darnell Mooney can be a number two when he has a number one, um, or Claypool can be a number three. And then all of a sudden you have three legitimate uh, options and then Cole Komet, you know, continues to get better and improve. So, yeah, I think number one is crucial. And I I'm just hoping – that going into the season, Poles does not forget about that, right? Because he left Justin Fields unstuck last year, literally. Like, we had arguably one of the worst wide receiver rooms, and that's no disrespect to them. But when you talk about what Justin Fields was able to do with that room was was impressive. He did a lot of it himself. He put the team on his back. But look at Jalen Hurts, right? They go out and get Brown, Devontae Smith another year. They have Goddard. 
uh, guys that can go up and get the 50-50 ball, that's what matters, right? It's, it's, not a, you know, it's not about making perfect throw all the time. It's about guys helping you out when you need that help. And that's what the Bears need to do for Justin Fields. Yeah, and the idea for Ryan Poles is to get creative, right? Because if you're looking at this free agent class right now, just to name a couple of them off the top, Jacoby Myers, Odell Beckham, you know, he's a name, but guess what? He was supposed to sign with somebody this year and help with a playoff push. He was not the, not able to get back on the field. Uh, you think that's medical at that point, um, at this particular time, that he's not ready to play. Uh, McCole Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster, and then guys that might get cut, you know, Michael Thomas is probably going to be on the street, might be available too as well. And I don't know about this offseason, but next offseason – I do think that the Rams probably try and trade Cooper Cup. I'm just saying it right now. I think they're they're a franchise that's in for a mega transition, and uh, having Sean a McVay, they're talking about right potentially not being there. Matthew Stafford, the decision they're going to make with him based on his elbow and well, it, his elbow and his head too. I mean, he's in he's yeah. in concussion area now where he's had so many of them. His wife has asked him publicly. She's said publicly he's she's wishing that he would retire. He's already won yeah. a Super Bowl. Um, you know, they could be a team that might have a fire sale and get all their, their draft capital back, and the Bears can take advantage of that moving forward. Uh, Corey, we got to get you out of here, man, just really quick. Um, it's Wild Card Weekend, man. Um, exciting slate of games. Three days of games. Uh, we're getting to that point now with the NFL playoffs. Uh, but let's start with the Saturday games first. Uh, Corey, Seahawks at 49ers. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Who do you who do you like in this one? I like the 49ers, man, in this one. Uh, that de- that defense line is so dominant, and I think they're going to carry them through this first game. Um, Brock Purdy has is, is really played well. Um, they're on the third quarterback, and he's undefeated right now. Um, you know, I think uh, I think they'll get through this one, and we'll, we'll see how he performs, you know, in the playoffs, because I think it is a different mentality, even though Seattle's not as talented as they normally are in the playoffs. Um, I think the 49ers will get this one. And, yeah, I, I got to see how Brock Purdy is in the next round i gotta see that for evaluation yeah and i think chances are the 49ers would probably play the winner of the giants and vikings game which is still a matchup that brock purdy can play well and i'm with you on the 49ers on that one uh saturday night this one's gonna be fun chargers at jaguars uh who do you got in that one i'm I'm gonna go (laughs) i'm gonna go with trevor lawrence on this one and and the jaguars i'm a big upset big upset yeah um you know, I think everything's starting to come together with them. And, you know, last game he didn't play as well as, you know, you would have thought. But I think he's building momentum, what they're building around them. They got the home field advantage at this point. And, uh, yeah, I like I like how the talent around him has been playing for the most part, offensively, defensively. They're, they're playing, you know, three phases of good football. So Justin Herbert, you know, the, the offensive line at times has been a little shaky, especially with Slater out for the season, their left tackle. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the uh, – Jaguars are going to upset them. Oh, man, I, I love that call. I am going to give a slight edge to the Chargers, but I see where you're coming from on that, where I know that we're talking about the long-haired manes of our t- two quarterbacks. I think it's actually going to come down to a running backs game on this one. Austin Eckler's been one of the best running backs in the NFL, but Travis Etienne's had a fantastic second half, and if they don't have Mike Williams for the Chargers side of things, and maybe Trevor Lawrence, who didn't exactly play perfect football last week, maybe he... I don't know, has, gets a little bit of the jitters, gets a little tight early on in, in his first playoff game ever. I think it might come down to the production on the running back position. I'm going to go with the Chargers just by a little bit, but I love that call with the Jaguars, man. Okay. Um, they've been fun to watch in the second half. Uh, Sunday, Dolphins at Bills. I mean, do the Dolphins have a shot? They have no shot, especially yeah. without Tua. Um, Buffalo plays lights out at home. 
um, Josh Allen and company are hitting their stride. And a lot of people are picking them, you know, to, to, to go over and beat Kansas City potentially in the uh, AFC Championship. So Buffalo, I, I think they beat them pretty good, probably by two and a half scores. Yeah. Giants at Vikings. Uh, are you going with – Are you are you – do you think the Giants uh, have a little life in this one? Uh, I, I do. I do. Yeah. So, so Minnesota, um, you know, the past two weeks, they've looked awful. Even, even when they played the Bears last week, offense still wasn't, wasn't firing on all cylinders like they kind of were all season. And I feel like they've been in a lot of close games this season. So it's kind of been a little skewed. The, the games probably could have went either way. But the past two weeks, I'm really not buying, especially coming off their bad performance against Green Bay, Right. When they had a chance to, to to really and they got blown out and then all of a sudden you're like, OK, it's a bad game. They go into Chicago, play terrible. So I'm like, OK, this is supposed to be your get back game. Never got back. So there's something going on there with their offense. Um, Kirk Cousins and company, they're just they're just not on the same page. And I think everybody Green Bay showed the recipe that if you knock out Justin Jefferson, yeah. um, Kirk Cousins and company struggles. So, yeah, I think I think the Giants are going to upset them because the Giants are a tough, hard-nosed football team that's going to control the clock with the run. Daniel Jones isn't going to turn it over. He could beat you with his feet as well. Um, I like just the culture that Dable has, has put in the Giants, and I think I think they're going to upset them. I think it's going to be a close one. They're going to win by one score, but it's going to be one of those down-to-the-wire games where it's a, a last-second field goal or a touchdown. Man, I, I'm right there with you there. And you, you mentioned Dayball, they're just better coached. And when you mentioned a close game, the edge decidedly goes to the Giants. Um, and, and, and to your point, yeah, I mean, the Vikings, you have to ask yourself, Justin Jefferson's had such an amazing historical season that it hasn't really masked some of the deficiencies on this team. I mean, if he doesn't get 180 yards and 10 catches and a touchdown, do the Vikings play well? Um, have we been able to see that on a consistent level? So that's going to be the Giants' uh, task against them on Sunday. And I, I'm with you, man. I think the Giants can easily uh, upset the Vikings and uh, and possibly move on and, and shock the world a little bit. Uh, Sunday night game, Ravens at Bengals. Um, you know, I, again, I don't know, wildcard weekend, man. The juicy matchups aren't really lining up this year. I, I got Bengals hard. What about you? Yeah, I got I got Bengals. Um, I, I, think, I think they're going to beat them by two scores. Uh, yeah. Joe Burrow and company. Uh, he just continues to impress and and just further further his Joe icy cold burrow baby. So I think I think I think they're gonna beat him by two scores. I like their their weapons at wide receiver. I think that's the X factor right there. Um, it, it's it's hard to match up against them. So I look for him to go big. I think he'll have high three hundreds in passing, three to four touchdowns in this game. I think they'll beat him by two scores. Man, and it's shaping up too. No matter how you slice it, the chief uh, Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and then a combo of Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence in the final four in the AFC. Those are pretty good matchups. Those are pretty good matchups. I'll just say that right there. Final one. Uh, this is probably the most entertaining one, and maybe why they moved it to Monday night. Cowboys at Buccaneers. Uh, TB45 versus Mike McCarthy's Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott. Um, I've been on the Cowboys all year long. I've I've liked I liked them. I thought they had some staying power. I thought they had a higher ceiling. They've kind of tailed off a little bit. Corey, uh, do the Buccaneers have a shot in this one? Yeah, I think they win this one and in a tight one. Um, because I, I'm looking. Tom Brady found a way to get in. I know the conference wasn't that good in their division. Um, but I think he has something to prove. Right? You know, a lot has happened this season. Um, you know, the divorce from his wife everything that's happened with his family. I know there's there's some stuff going on there with everything uh, with that. So I think he's going to try to make a point that, hey, 
I went through this. It's been tough. And maybe that's why I haven't played as well. But I'm ready to to make a run. And I, I think the Cowboys, just the way Dak has played, I'm really not buying him unless he's at home, right? And he's on the road at this point, um, you know, in a different game. If the Cowboys were at home, I'd pick them. But I think Tampa Bay will will win in a close one. I think Tom Brady's trying to prove that, hey, even at this age, he's still got it. He's still the GOAT. Yeah, it's funny. Once you get in the playoffs, you know, you want to go with game plan. You want to go with what you're good at. But honestly, I think if you're going up against Tom Brady in this game, I think the Cowboys, which they haven't done all year, which is the problem, which I think I'm with you. The Buccaneers got a shot is they need to make this into a track meet. They really do. They need to push the envelope and try and get the ball down the field to CeeDee Lamb and try and push it really early and really fast. Try and get that score up. If they play a game we're oh, okay, we're just going to kick a field goal here. We're going to run the clock. We're going to go Zeke, 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 kick a field goal. That plays right into Tom Brady's hands. You can't have this be a one-score game going into a fourth quarter. You need to make it where Tom is forced to throw the ball 15 yards down the field consistently just to try and hang in the game. I think that gives them their best shot. Um, and I don't think they do that. I think they play right into their hands, and I think the Buccaneers could easily win that one. Right Let's go. Right yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, hey, man, I, I love greatness, dude. I mean, honestly, I know we give Tom Brady a hard time, but if Tom Brady keeps winning football games, if Tom Brady goes to a Super Bowl this year, Corey, I mean, come on. Like, it's, it's Imagine greatness. if he won the Super Bowl after everything that happened this season, everything went through personally. Like, he would truly be – there's no one that could ever – I know no one could touch him right now, yeah. but there, there were truly, like – there would be nobody ever in the history of the NFL till right. the end of time that, that could be better than and dude, it's like it's out of a movie. And then sometimes when sports transcends into like cinematic moments, I'm all for it. Wait, did you just say that they're going to win the Super Bowl? Or you said if no, they I do. said if they did. Oh, if they, if did. they okay. did. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't think they're gonna win it, but I'm saying if he did, that would just further everything that you're like, he has been the GOAT, but now at, at 45, he's the GOAT. <laughs> yeah, so who are wait, real quick, who are your favorites right now? Uh AFC, NFC. Um, I I'm honestly I'm thinking Chiefs 49ers. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah, so I I like uh, I like the Chiefs Eagles. Yeah, Ch- Eagles yeah. Eagles hanging there because yeah. because I think the Eagles with Jalen Hurts I think they're a more complete football team. You look at uh, Gardner Minshew hasn't been able to have the same success in there when he's came in. I think it it just shows how critical Jalen Hurts is to the success. I think when you look at their offensive line, their defensive line, their weapons, how they play special teams wise, I think they're the most consistent team, right? And then. I think they'll be matched up potentially against the 49ers, right? In the championship, can they? Right. Well, yeah, either way, it's going to be in Philadelphia, yeah. which I think yeah, is yeah, also yeah. a huge advantage. Which, which Brock Purdy, I I think he's played well, but I think on the road in Philly, a hostile place, they'll call you every name in the book, talk about your mother, your sister, your aunties. They'll talk about everybody over there. I don't know if Brock Purdy is ready for that, right? He's looked good, but playing Philly's got a jail over there. They got they got some different guys over there. So I, I think it's I think it's gonna be a tough one for 49ers to beat Philly. Philly, I think they got a shot to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. You know, I really do because of that defensive line. Um, you know, it just shows that the teams that usually win the championships uh are usually the teams that have a dominant defensive line. And Philly has five, six pass rushers that can get you. I think they have four guys in double digits. Um, even Brandon Graham towards the end of his career right here is 11 and a half this season. So like what they've been able to do. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be bold and I'm going to pick Philly to win it all. Yeah. I mean, dude, that's a great call. I mean, and, and look in the AFC, I'm going with the chiefs, but man, it's like chiefs, bills, Bengals. If either of them make the super bowl will not be surprised at all. Not yeah, the only reason why the bills right now, why I say no, to the bills, because 
without Von Miller, they haven't been the same uh, as far as pass rush. And that's 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 why if they had Von Miller, I would give him a shot to potentially beat the Chiefs. Yeah. But I think with I think without him, you know, when I look at their pass rushers, they're you know, there's nobody that really stands out to me that 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 can really hurt you. Um, and I think that's what's yeah. going to be their Achilles. Heel. And the only thing about that, though, is that I think the scenario would be the Bengals would have to play the Bills. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. the Bengals, the Bengals could knock out, you know what I mean? It could be one or the other one, you know, one of the two. Uh, dude, we got to get out of here. Um, today's episode of Believe in Bears was presented by BetOnline.ag. 50% welcome bonus throughout all these amazing NFL playoffs that we just talked about. Uh, only when you use promo code Believe, B-L-E-A-V, uh, 50% off where the game starts with BetOnline.ag. Follow me at Joey Sports Guy. Thanks for tuning in on YouTube. Tune in, SiriusXM. Uh, tell a friend about this podcast. Great offseason coming up. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, we will be sick of saying the words number one pick by the time it comes around. Uh, Corey Wooten, my man, so good to see you, man. Uh, great show. Take us home. Yeah, great. Yeah, great. Another great show, man. We're going to have some more in this offseason free agency, the draft. There's going to be a lot building up to it. So looking forward to it with you, my man. And I uh, appreciate your guys' support. Looking forward to uh, breaking it down for you guys. Bear down, yeah. baby. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Kevin Warren's our president. We've got the number one pick. What better way, what better time than to bear down than right now? We'll see you soon. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.